Um, am I allowed to say that? Where is the love? We're here. This is officially episode one of the To Be Honest podcast with Celeste Ely. That's me. And if you skip the intro, first of all, good for you. I would have done the same thing. Second of all, there's only one thing that you need to know from the intro, and that's that this podcast is going to be far from perfect. I don't have all the best equipment. There's going to be very few edits. There's going to be very few cuts. So I can't promise it's going to be perfect, but I can promise that it will be honest. I just scratched my head just now in my press on nail just um came off in my hair and it's 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 stuck so I'm I'm gonna have to get that later but I want to go ahead and jump right into today's episode because I have a lot that I want to share when it comes to toxic purity culture I believe toxic purity culture has made its way into the minds of young people and have created issues that should have never been there. I believe toxic purity culture has made its way into people's marriages where it has absolutely no place and where it does not belong. And today I just want to talk about how we can do better, how we can do better with young people. If you're a parent and you're listening, how you can do better with your teenagers now. I'm not a parent expert. I don't have any kids. However, I do spend a lot of time with teenagers being a youth pastor. And I've seen things that work and I've seen things that don't work and everything else in between, I'm still just trying to figure out. Now, I wanna say something that I think maybe a lot of podcasters might be hesitant to say, but to be honest, I know that not every single episode is going to be relevant to every single person. You might be listening right now And you might have never experienced toxic purity culture, but I want to encourage you to keep listening because you might learn something new and keep in mind that this is one of many, many episodes. Now, I didn't come up with a definition for toxic purity culture. My hope is that after you listen to today's episode, you can come up with that definition on your own and maybe decide some things that you want to do differently moving forward. Or maybe you listen to today's episode and you realize, wow, I've got some things that are engraved in my brain from toxic purity culture that I really need to talk to someone about. I also want to encourage you to maybe even seek some professional counseling. I'm a huge advocate for counseling, which again, that's another episode. But if you don't believe in counseling or you think it's stupid, you think it's ridiculous, you think it doesn't work, that's absolutely fine. Just keep that to yourself. Don't put that onto other people who actually are pursuing the health and well-being of themselves and who have experience life change through counseling. So you're entitled to your opinion, but you are absolutely not entitled to make anyone feel bad about their decision to receive help for themselves. I do want to give a little disclaimer before we start today's episode, and don't worry, I'm not going to be like that recipe that you have to scroll through people's family heritage and their medical history and their medications. Um, I'm not going to be that person who makes you scroll through all of that just to figure out how long you need to air fry the chicken for. I am going to get to it, but I do want to warn you that today's episode may not be for the kids in the back seat. It may not be for the kids who are running around or listening to the things that you're listening to. So I just want to encourage you. You know what it is? It's like when you call someone, they don't tell you you're on speaker until after you say the thing that the five-year-old in the backseat wasn't supposed to hear. Okay, I'm warning you now because I'm a decent human being. So if needed, hit pause and resume later. I think it should be noted that I wasn't raised in church. I gave my heart to the Lord at Skate World when I was eight years old. And I didn't have a worship band. In fact, my worship band at that time was Chris Brown. 
and I gave my heart to the Lord all because some woman there decided to take an ordinary moment and turn it into a God moment, i.e. me giving my heart to the Lord in dirty, gross skate world. So when I found Jesus, when I started a relationship with Jesus, it was so real to me. It was very authentic and when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was like, this is the real deal. And so I gave my heart to the Lord when I was eight years old and I never looked back. I wasn't like that church kid who, you know, was born, raised on a church pew and then is like, screw this. I'm going to go taste the world. And then, you know, finally comes back when they're 18, 19 years old. I was so in love with Jesus. It was so real. And I remember thinking this whole, this is going to change my life. And it did. And my family started going to church right after that. And I got connected to an amazing youth group. I had amazing youth pastors. Let me just say, I never experienced toxic purity culture from my youth pastors. Their name are David and Shannon Morris. The only thing that I ever experienced from them was two people who believed in me, two people who cared about me, two people who prayed me through situations and circumstances that I should have never made it out of. So that's the only thing that I experienced from them. Shout out David and Shannon. You guys are amazing. You're the reason why I still love Jesus today. Now, other churches, other conferences, other youth groups, other pastors, these are the people. These are the things that taught me what purity culture was. And I learned very young that my purity was something that needed to be guarded and needed to be protected. And I did that. I made it all throughout high school. I made it all the way to my wedding night. I was a virgin on my wedding night. And I didn't realize some of the things that purity culture had instilled in me that really messed me up later into my marriage. Now, let me just say, I don't regret waiting for one second. There's not a day that goes by that I look back and think, man, that guy who said, hey, my parents aren't home. Why don't you come over when I was in high school? Or the guy who said, hey, why don't we have sex in my truck after school, which I don't know how I made it out of that one. I mean, that guy really knew how to make a lady feel special. Why don't we have six in my truck after school and I'll drive you through the DQ afterwards? Like, somebody send that guy's mom some flowers. Outstanding job. But there's not a second that I look back and regret the fact that I waited, regret the fact that I protected my purity at all costs. But I do think that while I was doing that, I think some of my motivation and some of my reasoning for protecting my purity, for saving myself from my husband, I think some of that really came from the wrong motive. And some of that came from things that I learned in toxic purity culture. And the first thing I want to say is that I believe that purity culture has become so toxic because there is so much shame attached to sex within the church, whether that be somebody who was sexually abused or a young person who is having sex before marriage or engaging in sexual activity before they're married, whether that is somebody who is as pure as the driven snow and has never done anything wrong, there is a lot of shame attached to sex within church. And that's certainly not to say all churches. I'm talking to the people who have experienced this. I'm talking to the people who read I Kiss Dating Goodbye. If you you read I Kiss Dating Goodbye, you have absolutely experienced toxic purity culture. I'm not going to get into that. I don't want to get sued. The first effect that I think toxic purity culture has had on people, which I'm going to say that 
phrase a lot, and I wish there was some sort of abbreviation, but there's not. So just get used to hearing it, I guess, in this episode. But the first effect that I think toxic purity culture has had on a lot of people is the stop and go mentality. Now, I personally never experienced this. My husband personally never experienced this. When we got married and we had both waited until we were married to have sex, it was like game on. We never felt guilty. We never felt ashamed. We never felt dirty. We never felt like it was wrong. We felt real good about the decisions that we were making in the bedroom once we finally got married. But I have countless friends who still have issues in their sex life in their in their marriage because they still feel that level of guilt and shame attached to sex that didn't just go away when they got married. And I look at it like this, if you are driving and there's a stop sign that you stop at every single day and then all of a sudden they take that stop sign down, you're still going to stop where that stop sign used to be for a while until you realize that it's all good and you don't have to stop there anymore. And it makes me wonder if maybe we've spent way too much time talking about how bad sex is outside of marriage and not talking about how great sex can be inside of marriage. It makes me wonder, have we talked about sex in such a negative way for so long that when it's supposed to be a positive thing, when we're supposed to experience it, the way that God intended us to experience it, we can't because to us, it's still negative. It's still wrong. It's still bad. It's still shameful. And it's still sinful. As a youth pastor, I feel personally responsible to educate my students on two major things when it comes to sex. The first thing is how incredible married sex can be. When you have two people who are free from guilt and shame, two people who have nothing that is mentally hindering them from being able to have an enjoyable sex life with their spouse, it is insane and it's awesome. And I think a lot of young people, they have this mentality that sex is boring or you know, you hear all these stories of, well, the woman doesn't wanna have sex and then they have kids and then, I tell my students, listen, think about the complete opposite of that, times it by 10, and that is how incredible married sex can be and should be. The second thing is the redemptive power of Jesus to heal, to restore, to break through, to set free. We're not just talking to kids who were born on a church pew who have never seen a movie, don't know what sex is, you say sex into the microphone, and they suck all the air out of the room and they're 17 years old. Okay, we're not just talking to those kids. We are talking to kids who have made real mistakes and who are in need of a real savior. There is an answer to hurting and broken people and his name is Jesus. Come on, isn't that our whole assignment as Christians is to offer a solution to our hurting and broken world? To offer a solution to young people who have messed up, who feel guilty, who are broken, who are ashamed? Because I can tell you what the assignment of the enemy is. The assignment of the enemy is to make people feel like they're not good enough. And let me just tell you, the enemy uses teachers, pastors, preachers, leaders, parents, siblings, you name it. The enemy will use that individual to make other people feel like they're not good enough and to make them run in the opposite direction of Jesus. And unfortunately, that's what toxic purity culture does as well. It makes people feel like they're not good enough. It it literally places your whole identity in your purity. 
It places your whole worth, your whole value as a human being in the fact that you don't have sex. So what happens when you do have sex or when you do do something sexual, right? We're not just talking about intercourse. We're talking about everything leading up to that. What happens when you make a mistake and your identity is only in purity? Your identity is only in being a virgin. Well, guess what? Your identity has gone. You no longer know who you are because your identity was not first found in Jesus. It was first found in your performance. I mean, I'm telling you guys, we have got to do better with young people. We've got to do better at helping them find their identity in Jesus first and not their identity and their virginity, not their identity and their performance. I just recently talked to a girl who told me that the reason why she never opened up about being sexually abused when she was a young girl is because of toxic purity culture, because it made her feel like she had messed up and was stripped of her her purity because of something that happened to her that wasn't her fault. She only ever heard, I'm sorry, I keep cutting this because I am trying to get it together and and not cry and make everyone extremely uncomfortable, but I, I just gotta, I don't know, let it happen, I guess. But she never heard anyone say to her, hey, this does not make you who you are. This does not strip you of your purity, of your identity, but that's all she ever heard, that if you mess up, if you do something impure, it's wrong. You're wrong. You're bad. You need to repent. I mean, we have got to start talking about sexual abuse in the church. There are too many young men and women who feel so ashamed, not just because of what happened to them, because that alone comes in its own package of guilt and shame, but because maybe we're not talking about what happens when you feel like your purity was robbed from you. Maybe we're not having the conversation of what happens when you feel like your purity was stolen from you and like you were cheated out of something that was supposed to be so, so important. The other thing that we have to stop doing when it comes to purity culture is teaching young people that their bodies belong to their spouses. Now I know what you're thinking, I've read the verses. Okay, so hear me out on this. I waited and was pure because my motive was Brent. Okay, I'm going to have to take a pause for a second because I have to unbutton my pants because I just ate pasta before recording this and I cannot sit down in these high-waisted jeans and breathe, let alone talk, for one more second. Okay, that's better. What was I saying? Um, yeah, I waited because of Brent. And I think that that... That became a problem because really that's the wrong motive. Um, I wish I would have known that I was actually waiting for my own self. Um, You know, the Bible says when you sin sexually, it's a sin against your own body. So when I got married and, you know, like I said, I was pure. I I mean, I was like every, the real life girl next door, every mother-in-law's dream okay Brent was my first kiss it was like the whole the whole thing and um I keep like accidentally clapping my hands and I forget that I talk with my hands a lot but I know that the audio is picking that up so I I apologize for that but I'm obviously not gonna stop so anyway I waited and then you know I found out some things about Brent that were so you know Brent waited until he was married to have sex with me but 
it was, I found out some things from his past that were so devastating to me. And I should not have been devastated by those things. And I think that if I would have really been waiting for the right reason, because my mindset was, you know, I waited for you fully and you didn't wait for me fully. Like you were messing around here and there with all these different girls. And I was resisting doing all of that with any guys. And it made me mad and it made me disappointed and it made me upset. And I think if I would have known, okay, you're waiting for your own self and also to honor God, then I think that I would not have been so devastated hearing those things because I would have known, okay, that's fine. You made the choices that you made and I wouldn't have thought, well, I did this for you and you didn't do this for me. So, you know, what the heck is that about? Toxic purity culture made me believe that my virginity was a gift for a man and not something that was actually a gift to myself and to honor my own body, my own spiritual well-being. I think that we're setting a lot of young women and young men up for a lot of disappointment by telling them that their purity and their virginity is for their spouse. They're protecting that for their spouse, for their wedding night. Because not everybody does that. So then you've got somebody who waits and is pure, gets married to somebody who didn't wait, who chose to maybe have sexual, multiple sexual partners, and you bring these two people in a marriage together, and you've got one person who feels like the other person didn't hold up their end of the deal. Like there's some sort of unspoken spiritual contract that everybody should know about and everybody should sign. It creates issues in marriages. It creates issues in relationships. It's like this weird purity religious competition. And I think a better way that we can go about this is to teach young men and women that they protect their their purity for themselves. Hello? Like when you sin against, when you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. That's what's in the Bible. And to honor God. And yes, out of that, probably someday your spouse is going to appreciate that you didn't have multiple sexual partners. But let's not get it twisted. That's not why you're doing it. You're not doing it for somebody else. You're doing it for God. And you're doing it for yourself. Well, are you saying that we shouldn't teach young people about purity or it's not that big a deal? Heck no. I think purity is the biggest deal. I will preach God's perfect plan for sex until the day I die. I just think we got to do a little better at our delivery. Well, do you regret waiting? Because although your husband was a virgin, he made a lot of mistakes leading up to meeting you. No. I don't regret waiting at all. Waiting until I was married to have sex, protecting my purity at all costs, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire life. I just wish that my motive would have been a little bit different. I wish I would have been a little bit more educated on why I was doing what I was doing because it would have saved me a lot of disappointment in the long run. I'm running out of time in this podcast. I can typically only have my attention held for 20 to 25 minutes, so I don't expect to hold anyone else's attention longer than that. But I wanted to quickly touch on the idea that if a young couple has sex before they are married, that they are required to break up with that person 
because that person is no longer for them. Now, I think there is a lot of gray area here. Okay, if a 15-year-old has sex with their boyfriend or with their girlfriend, I would then encourage them to separate from that person at least for a couple years because once you start having sex, God's design for your body was never that you stop. Okay, like I I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but uh, if I would have had sex before I was married. Thank God. Let's just say, thank God I didn't have sex before I was married. Okay. Let's just, let's just end it there. Thank God I didn't have sex before I was married. Brent and I were able to have the ongoing experience of God's perfect plan for marriage. So I'm very thankful that we waited to experience that. But a young person who is 15 and then all of a sudden has to wait, let's just say they get married young. They got to wait five more years. They have sex and they got to wait five more years to have sex again. It's going to be really difficult, especially if you're with the person who you already had sex with. So, and you might disagree with me, but I I do encourage young people to separate if they are wanting to wait until they're married to have sex. But even then, I don't think it means that that person is not God's person for them. But what I'm more so talking about is a young adult couple who is planning on getting married. They mess up, they have sex, and then all of a sudden someone tells them, okay, well, now you've got to break up because that person is not for you. That conditions people for divorce, just like I said, because it gets you in the mindset of, okay, if somebody messes up, if we mess up, if something goes wrong, then that means we're not for each other. Boom. I mean, hello. How many married people are listening right now? How many times has your spouse messed up? How many times have you guys made a poor decision together and messed up together? Does that then mean that all of a sudden, well, since we messed up, We're no longer for each other. Where are the divorce papers? It's again another rule from toxic purity culture that does not exist in the Word of God. There's a toxic purity culture book and then there's the actual Word of God. And my goal is to help educate young people on what the Word of God says about purity, about sex, about relationships, and help them make the best decision for their life. Well, I'm out of time. I got to cut it off somewhere. I hope you learned something new today. And most importantly, I hope you learned something that helped you. I would love to hear your feedback from today's episode and maybe even answer some questions that you may have. So thank you for spending 23 minutes of your day with me and stay tuned for episode two. Thanks for listening today. And if you'd like to be notified when a new episode is released, you can subscribe to this podcast and follow me on Instagram at Celeste underscore Ely.